Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty. And a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto. Cutting edge, state of the art, compassionate facility. Right now, it is Mental Health Awareness Week. This is the time when they need you most. This is the time when you can make a real difference when it comes to doing something about the mental health crisis and the devastating opioid epidemic, the overdose epidemic that we're currently experiencing, losing 20 people every day. They need your help. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. Jan Wong, journalist, author, teacher, flautist. Hi, Jesse. Happy to be here. Today on the show, Jan, Canada's Jeffrey Epstein and Canada's other Jeffrey Epstein. And the Ontario high school teacher under fire for teaching about socialist economics in his economics class. Huh. <laughs> Welcome back to Shortcuts, where we talk shit about the news. This episode is brought to everybody by Jamie Strachan, John Godward, Vinko Kuliak Mathieu, Christopher Hogendoom, Jeff Wint, Eric Plant, Andrew Halberstadt, and Zach. Hey, it's Zach. I'm a letter carrier living in Victoria, British Columbia, and I support Candleland because, well, when it comes to media criticism, it's a dirty job, but somebody's got to do it. Quick note before we begin that in this first segment, we will be discussing the sexual exploitation and assault of minors. We have breaking news to bring you this hour. Former fashion mogul Peter Nygaard. After five days of deliberation. Guilty of four counts of sexual assault. For years, allegations of sexual assault have swirled around Peter Nygaard. Many of these charges go back decades. Jan, if Jeffrey Epstein had been a Canadian like... 
I'm not going to say nobody would have known about him. I, I'm saying we would have lost interest in a week. Like we just, what's the opposite of a media circus? How could we, <laughs> how could we, like, I understand there's things going on all over the world, but like we have news in Canada that's worth paying attention to. Peter Nygaard, first of all, have you seen photos of this guy after his yeah, conviction? Yeah, I have. He looks sort of like a ghost now. He's so frail and old. He looks like a wraith. I think the opposite of a media circus is a media snooze. This is this is not a snooze. He he looks like a Disney villain. Yeah, yeah. No, but I mean the media has been asleep at the switch. Yeah, with the Nygaard trial. He was just found guilty on four counts of sexual assault. He was mm-hmm. acquitted on a fifth count, and he was he'd also been charged with forcible confinement. I mean, I won't go through the entire Peter Nygaard story. We've talked about it before, and and there's there's like documentaries and stuff out there. I'm not saying that this wasn't covered, but this was the end, the culmination of this story of a guy who has been sexually assaulting women since the 60s. Yes. And similar to Epstein, had a whole network of cronies and enforcers and intimidators and all of the questions that come with these of like how soon did the authorities know and why, why you know, they, were, they had pressed charges decades ago. Why did that not go anywhere? How was mm-hmm. he given the Queen's Jubilee? Me- like how is this guy? <laughs> like all of this shit happened over the course of decades. It's, it's wild. So I went into his lair. What do you mean? He has, he was headquartered in Winnipeg, but he, his big office was in Toronto and it happened to be two blocks from the Globe and Mail. And uh, I started this column called Lunch With, and I thought, who do I really want to take to lunch? And I thought, Peter Nygaard. So he was, I think, my first lunch. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. So I'm I, just I, learning this right now. I didn't. Oh. I, I, I mean, everyone remembers your, your Lunch With Jan column, but I, I did not know that you had lunch with Peter Nygaard. Yeah, he Nygaard. was like the first one, but, uh, or maybe it was Miss Canada Newfoundland who punched out her rival in a bar. I can't remember. But Nygaard's column took me six months to get into the paper. It was lawyered and lawyered and lawyered. So I I go over and I'm, you know, it's I'm just beginning to figure out how to interview people for the lunch column. And he has no idea. You know, he's done many interviews, always sycophantic. Always mm. everybody's talking about how successful he is. And I'm I walk in and I'm smiling. And he gives me the <laughs> – yeah, I know. He I wish the, I looked like you. I wish I could walk into an interview and we just look alike, look l- Jesse. If lovely we were and pleasant each like other, you. People would not be able to tell us apart. What are you talking about? You? Uh-huh. You look like you come in peace. And then, oh, my I God, do. he did not know what he was getting himself into. So he gave me a big tour of the, the lair. Yeah. Now, I did not see the bedroom, full disclosure. He did not take me into that bedroom with the keypad lock. But he did show me the plexiglass floor with a goldfish pond in it. He wanted me to stand over it, and he touched me. He was, like, positioning me, you know, holding onto my shoulders. Uh and You know, it was kind of very creepy. But I was just smiling, and I walked up the stairs behind him, and I, I wanted to know if he wore elevator lifts in his boots, and he does. But I, uh-huh. my, my editor said, you can't just say that you saw them. You have to get another source. So I got another source, you know, editors. I got another source. The reason it took me six months and the reason I wanted to interview Nygaard is I had been tipped off by people in Winnipeg that there were sexual assault allegations against him. And there was a rape charge against him way back then. This is 26 years ago in uh, 1997. And so... I, I followed that rape case, and it turned out that the woman left town. She was given money, and she got out of town. Uh-huh. So I said, I need the paper. Turns out that his lawyer had taken the paper, and you can request that it be, like, 
destroyed after a year. And he requested it. Very unusual, but the police, the, the Crown destroyed it. Then I went after the human rights complaints. Three women uh, accused him of sexual misconduct, and they went to the human rights well. They had to sign non-disclosure agreements. Uh-huh. So I couldn't get them to talk to me, of course. They, otherwise, they would violate. So, so my uh, newspaper, The Globe, really fought me on that. You know, they said, you don't have it, you don't have it, you don't have it. They fought you after the interview? Yes, because I wrote it all, and they said, you can't say this. You don't have the paper on the sexual but di- assault. But did you ask him about this over lunch? Yes, I did, and that's when he threw me out. Oh, my God. Yeah, and I'm so stupid— I was taping it. I'm so stupid. He threw me out and, you know, I was gathering up my my papers and my notebooks and I turned off my tape recorder. Like, Journalism 101, never turn your tape recorder. I was so... So the editors said, and the lawyers said, well, what do you have? And I said, well, I have all my notes because I went right back and I wrote it all down. And in a court of law... A reporter's notes are good enough. That's right. You don't have to have audio or yeah, video. Yeah, you don't have to have happens. audio. You were there. You was eyewitness. Like, can you write about being thrown out was the question. Because I wanted to write about I asked him about the sexual assault and he threw me out, right? That's as good as writing about it. Yes. And they wouldn't let me. And I, I just, even if I had taped it, they probably wouldn't let me because before, <laughs> I told you that his headquarters was two blocks from the Globe office. Before I got back to my office, there was a letter in the fax machine. That's, those were the fax days. In the fax machine threatening me with being sued. I hadn't written a word. I had just gone over for sandwiches. So they, they, they did not forbid you from writing the simple fact that you, you know, it's a series of events. You asked him about, like, charges on the record, and he threw you out. You saw this. This happened. You're a reporter like any other Globe Mail. They didn't, they didn't forbid you from writing about that because you didn't have audio tape. They, they forbid you because they were, they were cowards. Yeah, they were cowards. They were scared. And, you know, and the NDAs didn't help. It was really tough. And that's why, you know, I am helping people who are fighting NDAs. Because for journalism, we don't want whistleblowers. We don't want victims to be silenced. It's so important. Because what happened is he went on for another quarter century of molesting and raping his way across Montreal, Winnipeg, Toronto, New York, and wherever he has his island retreat. I think it's the Bahamas. But you tried to stop him. In, in, in your capacity as a journalist, you tried to expose him and you fought to, to Yeah, public. I did not know any of this. This is so interesting, Jan, and good for you. Oh, my God. Yeah, but I failed. Oh, my God. I just, I just no, you, said you, I, he had, you know, w- elevator lifts in his heels. I failed. People read that, that your column, oh, like Jan has lunch. I don't think people understand the amount of research oh, yeah. and work that go in, you know, because it's like the, the, the conceit is like you're, it's like anybody who's good at something makes it look easy, you know, like you're just having lunch and having a conversation. Yeah, it's a lot of work. And sometimes my editors got annoyed with me because I would be taking so long. Uh-huh. But, you know, I talked to his ex-girlfriends. I wrote about his lack of child support. He was paying $150 for one of his kids a month for child support in, let's see, 1977. And, you know, he had all these kids out of wedlock. And he wasn't supporting them, and he would make the women go after him. He was almost a billionaire at the height of his wealth. Almost, yeah, he was seventieth most wealthy person in Canada. Yeah, he was really rich. He would hire elephants for his parties and paint them white. I don't know why he wanted white elephants. That was a stupid idea, but you know, that's his thing. That's his brand. Yeah. So he's finally been caught. He's really old. He looks like hell. And they convicted him, and, and it's just wonderful. I was really happy when I heard that, but it's been a long time coming, waiting for this. 
I, I am just flabbergasted. That's an incredible story. It's wild how we ignore our, our own stories. Yeah, it's, it's wild exactly. that this is. I mean, and I'm guilty of this too. I, you know, I, I caught in, in the wake of this Nygaard thing, uh, this headline about another predator, this guy I had never heard of before, Robert Miller. And, and there's this headline that just came out that he allegedly raped a 12-year-old in 1977. And I, I noticed mm-hmm. that, you know, this is from Brigitte Noel, who's an incredible investigator with uh, CBC in, in, in Quebec. And she'd worked with us on the first Thunder Bay a little bit. And, and then I realized that there's a whole fifth estate. I think it was Enquete. It was the French language investigative mm-hmm. show. And then the mm-hmm. fifth estate pulled it. And this whole story of Robert Miller. He's a reclusive Montreal billionaire. This private investigator was hired to tail. Every night, there were females going in and out of the place. Who is a billionaire? Mm-hmm. I had missed this completely. Me I don't know too. How- I had never heard of Robert Miller until your producer sent it to me and said, we're going to be talking about him along with Nygaard. And I go, well, I know who Nygaard is. Who's Robert Miller? And then I read it. And I went, how can we not have known? He's Epstein, too. You he's know? Epstein, too. He's very low-key. He's not like a big, larger-than-life personality. He's this, like, secretive rich guy who had this Future Electronics, one of the biggest companies in Canada, a multi-billion-dollar company, not the Future Shop, just like the, yeah, they I sell know. parts behind the scenes. Yeah. And the CBC, this is a very brave investigation because there are no criminal charges against him, which gives, gives journalists a lot of cover. So uh, Bridget Noel and her colleagues, they uncovered a very similar network. This guy had this thing going very much like Epstein. He had a series of houses and he had a permanent suite at a hotel in Montreal and this whole system where girls were allegedly, you know, they'd get paid to bring in their friends. Yeah, just like Epstein did. Just like Epstein. And he had his like bodyguards and enforcers. There was an investigator. The investigator was, uh, uh, he alleges that this guy Miller, his goons offered him a bribe of $300,000 to to drop the investigation. Which was initiated by Miller's ex-wife, who was trying to figure out what her husband was doing. You know, it's interesting because usually the criminal charges are followed by the class action. But right now, there are more than 40 women involved in a class action against this guy. People are coming out of the woodwork because you're right. Nobody ever heard of him. And the young, the girls, they were girls, they were not women. I use girls technically. The mm-hmm. girls did not know who he was. They just knew his name was Bob. So creepy. You would be recruited by another 15-year-old. Yeah. Oh, come over to Bob's nice house. He's got a room full of gifts for you, jewelry yeah. and, and lingerie. And yeah. you could fill up a bag of gifts, and then he gives you an envelope of cash at the end. And Bob, two girls at a time, was his – like, it, it, it's yeah. gross. It's, it's, and, this and some people would say, well, they agreed and they got paid. But no, the no, criminal no, no, no. code says a minor who is paid – is that is not consent. A minor cannot consent to having sex because they're a minor. It doesn't matter if they didn't fight, they didn't cry, and they took money. The criminal code says yeah. that is sexual assault. Yeah, there's there you know, and and he he's lawyers tried to say because at a certain point it was like you know the age of consent was fourteen or something, and and, and at a, at a time when the fifth estate piece came out and the enquete piece, uh, they they mm-hmm. knew about victims as young as fifteen. Well, now there's an allegation of a twelve year old in 1977. Wow. So this was a a monster, a predator, allegedly. Yeah. I have to say that word in our midst. Since yeah. the year I was born. Fifth Estate came out with it, and I didn't notice either. Yeah. I feel so bad. I didn't I didn't notice. I mean, it, it seemed to be a well, like on YouTube, it's got like a million and a half views. Uh, so I'm sure a lot of people listening are like, Jesse, you should have known about this guy. Yeah. But I, I got to tell you, I did not know. Yeah. I don't feel like it's just me. I feel like this whole idea that like Me Too changed everything. Like here's another story. A woman, 
she's an alleged victim of sexual assault, and the case against her alleged perpetrator was just thrown out due to delays at the courthouse. Oh, God. So is this the the post Me Too era? Like, are we are we just having a media field day with these? Like, I don't know. No, I think there has been a real change. The case is getting thrown out for delay has been happening forever. It's mm-hmm. really awful. Our court system is backed up, but defendants have the right to a speedy trial. And if, if they don't get it, then their rights have been violated, and then it gets thrown out, and nobody worries about the victim who has taken the trouble and the trauma to go to the police. I, I mean, I've been involved in helping somebody who was sexually assaulted. And, you know, I, I said, you have a choice to not say anything or to go to the police. And I, I walked with her all the way through it. And in the end, the case was thrown out because of delays. Because, you know, some crown attorney had to go on maternity leave and then something was lost and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it happens all the time. We have the the rights of the of the accused. They also must be respected in yeah. our judicial system. Everybody has a right to a speedy trial and blame the system if these trials, but you know, there's a, there's a legal tactic of trying to get things delayed as much yes, as possible. Yes. You know? So, so I think that we are changing with the Me Too movement. I think this fifth estate report uh, did not land because I think that Quebec is so isolated culturally from the rest of Canada mm-hmm. that we just don't pay attention. We sort of ignore them. They do their own thing. We ignore them. And I think that they didn't mention this in the in the Fifth Estate report that I watched, but his victims were all Francophones. He's yeah. an Anglophone. Yeah. And nobody talked about that. He's the predator of Francophone girls. Does that mean anything in the Montreal context? It depends. I think partly it it won't affect his social circles. I think there's that. I think there's there's a certain sense of using for cover. I mean, there's, there's there, there may be class dynamics involved. I'm not sure much about yeah. the, the type of girls he was he was uh, targeting. A lot of were runaways. A lot came from broken homes. They were vulnerable. They, predators go after vulnerable. They don't go after people from happy families. The Fifth Estate had a really good interview with the uh, former head of security at the Hotel Intercontinental, who yeah, said, she was you know, great. She, yeah, she said she was outraged. At one point, she said, how come all these girls are going to your room? And he said, they're my nieces. And she didn't do more because it wasn't the Me Too era. So she went, well, I don't have a complaint. What am I supposed to do? But she's with uh, you, Jan. She's a person who saw it and tried. She tried. Yeah, she tried. She talked to the police and they dropped the investigation. I don't know why there are no charges I don't know why they dropped the investigation before. And they, oh, the Fifth Estate showed that they went after the the girls and scared the hell out of them and said, you know, we're going to charge you. And so I guess in that era and even today, they, they, the police really bungled. I mean, this whole idea that the women are not victims, but they're, they're the criminals, right? They always blame the women. The devastation that this stuff does to people's lives, that are, you know, when it happens so young, it severs people's relationship with their own parents. They can't yeah. talk about it. Like, it's, it's really horrific. It's horrific. That's why it's a crime. And I just want to say, like, people are walking around with this idea that it's gone too far, and now every guy who's ever done anything <laughs> even a little bit bad has been exposed. And the opposite is true. If, if yeah. you actually are exposed, it's like the stars have to line up. Like, it's not enough to be a predator. It's not even enough to be a billionaire predator. Like, it's like if you're a celebrity billionaire predator, you still have to live in the states for it to really stick. You know, like yeah, you know, like it's 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 our interest in this is very is very conditional. You have to have people saying stepping forward and saying he did it to me, and they all have to be the same stories, and they can never have talked to each other. I mean, the the bar for getting convictions on this is unbelievable. That's why Nygaard, it was so gratifying, mm-hmm. and I was like, wow, it was just thank you, thank you. 
This episode, Jan, is brought to everybody by the University of King's College. Well, I think King's is a wonderful place to go to school. I, I've heard many good things about it, and, and for everything, for the liberal arts, it's a really good place. Whenever, whenever anybody comes here with a CV from King's, I'm like, oh, King's. Like, like, that means something here. If you're looking to get into the world of journalism, you should check out the University of King's College. They offer undergraduate, advanced, and graduate programs. Yes, they can prepare you for the newsroom, but you'll also get a focus on documentary work and uh, new media, digital media. Located in downtown Halifax, great town to go to school, and King's is a place where students get to learn who they are and discover what they want to become. Plus, they have really good lobster in Halifax. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> If you know a student who's looking for an exceptional beginning and future, let them know to visit ukings.ca slash CanadaLand, and they can download a free University View book, as well as check out the undergrad and graduate programs offered. That is ukings.ca slash CanadaLand. Okay, Jan, let's duly note some things people should know about. What do you have to duly note today? I would like to duly note my irritation with land acknowledgements. At the beginning of every event that I go to, they always say, you know, we're on the land of the blah, blah, blah. And I am irritated because it's just empty talk. I would like to see people say, I'll give up my reserved parking space for the Indigenous student on campus. Or I would like to see city council say, okay, Indigenous people get free parking on Young Street and they can go in the TTC. But then... I know this is going to lead to a problem of pretendians, right? Sure. So I'd like to talk about Buffy St. Marie. Now, the Fifth Estate did a story on Buffy, and I think it's the first time in my life that I've refused to watch it. really irritates my friends because I'm very happy to argue with them, but I won't watch it. And they say, well, you have no right to speak. And I wonder why, and it's just because I feel so bad about it. I feel so bad about it about what people are saying about Buffy. So so there's land acknowledgement and Buffy all rolled into one. I just feel really bad. The number of things that we might hear back from people about is really compressed there into one little quick minute, <laughs> minute of tape there, Jan. Thank you. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what to say about that, except that there's a piece in The Walrus that looks at the at, at the Buffy mm-hmm. uh, thing, and, and we're really having conversations here about, you know, how to go about these investigations and, and what, you know. Yeah. Because there's, like, there's some serious, like, uh, like solid journalism in, in the, like, I, I was ready to kind of hate it, and then I watched it, and it was pretty convincing and compelling. I know, but, that's but then, what people tell me, but I feel so bad I don't want to watch it. Yeah. And then there are some other questions that people have brought up about how they went about it that I think that, uh, cause we're doing, we're doing work like that here and it's good for us to, you know, it's good for us to duly note the discourse around the right way to do these investigations. Mm-hmm. So duly noted. I want to quickly duly note the ongoing train wreck of bill C 11, which we were told forever that this online streaming act would not affect user generated content and podcasters. And then the regulations came out that said, oh, yeah, we are going after podcasters. And now they've got this new thing saying, oh, no, no, uh, podcasters will not be regulated under this new streaming law. But then it, it it's just like they're saying social media users like podcasters won't be regulated. So I don't know what the hell that means. And they had previously said that, like, my worry was not that podcasts would be regulated, but that the platforms that we absolutely require for, like, 80% of our listens, Spotify and Apple, mm-hmm. would be regulated. And then they, you know, could potentially just, you know, close up shop. So, uh, you know, I think that this is a victory for the people who were from, you know, kind of YouTube creators. And there's a whole industry that's burgeoning of Canadian media creators who are like, get this the hell away from our stuff. We're doing just fine. And this is just messing things up. I think that they kind of it looks like maybe they won 
Like they, they, they got the clearest they got the clearest message from government after the government refused to take uh, an amendment from the Senate that would have just you know done this you know a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But this seems like the clearest instruction that they're they're really trying to keep this away from um, online creators. It doesn't necessarily answer all the questions about the gray area between being like making a YouTube video in your bedroom for no money and being like some massive international conglomerate on the other. Mm-hmm. What about all the people who live in between those things? Still very hazy, but it looks like uh, the resistance to C11 has yielded some results. And, uh, <sighs> I wanted to point it out. Okay, well then, duly noted. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool, doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer. And it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, It's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody Half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does Help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. Jan, I want to tell you a story about a teacher. Okay. I met this guy. He's Frank Dominic, and he, he, he's on TikTok. What's up, good people? My name is Frank Dominic, and welcome to my channel. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he is an Ontario teacher, and he is like uh, the kind of – like he's got big, cool teacher energy. And not cool teacher like a teacher who's trying to be cool, but a teacher who like is so passionate about wanting you to know stuff and so exuberant mm-hmm. that it's kind of like, I love that teacher's class. He's like, like, Yeah. I want to tell you a funny and cute story from my class. So we had presentations for the last few days. We've been doing TED Talks in my class. And he basically has just got, he's a good communicator and he's a, he's a good teacher. And he's taken this to TikTok where he, he, he talks about what's going on. And he's taken certain precautions, like he doesn't uh, mention which school he teaches for, which board, and he doesn't, you know, include his full name. And he does like, I, I think, pretty high quality videos are often talking about what's going on in the news and he cites his sources. It's based on actual journalism and he gives credit. I know this guy, like he came to a Candleland event and, and one of my colleagues here, Sharice, was like, oh, this guy's really big on TikTok. You should talk to him. He did a TikTok mm-hmm. with me. So I've been following this guy's stuff. Okay. That's Frank mm-hmm. Dominic. Okay. Here's why I'm talking about him. He did a video 
where he is in his classroom and there's a pride flag behind mm-hmm. him. Oh, horrors, shocked. I know. <laughs> the flag behind me seems to really trigger a lot of snowflakes. And yes, I am your worst nightmare. So let's get one thing clear. If you have a problem that I have this flag in my classroom, stop following me right now. Just block me. Or better yet, leave a comment so I know who I can block. Because I will never stop supporting the rights of all individuals to be loved for who they are. And the context for this is that there's this ongoing war going on of like this idiotic thing about that Pierre Polyev is is really fueling a lot of ignorant hatred about that like the federal government is somehow responsible for gender theory indoctrinating kids in the classroom. Okay, which the federal government's not has nothing to do with curriculum. Uh, it's not even a federal government, but he's trying to pin it on Trudeau. Mm-hmm. So yeah. and it's become this code. It's a big issue in 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 right wing reactionary media. That, you know, your, 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 your kid is not safe from this indoctrination. And there's all these mm-hmm. anti-trans, like they're going to try, like it's, you know, they're grooming your kid and all this stuff, yeah. right? So he, he kind of directly went after this and, and said, a lot of people are, you know, going to hate this pride flag behind me. But, you know, if so, I'm your worst nightmare because I am mm-hmm. going to teach about socialism. I'm going to teach about Marxism. I teach about socialism. I teach about trans rights. I teach about LGBTQ history. I teach about black history. I teach about the racial history of our country and the genocide that we've inflicted upon indigenous people. Guess what? He's an economics teacher. (laughs) So it makes a lot of sense that he would teach about socialism and Marxism. Yeah. And I think it's like pretty cool that somebody teaching economics in high school would would talk about how economics affects you know he t- he talks about social justice issues he talks about how the economics how racism the economic impacts and and mm-hmm. how, how we can how yeah. racism is economically expressed you know mm-hmm. yeah that's exciting for kids I think it's very totally. interesting taking a very dry topic and relating it to the world and he seems like the kind of guy who like he'll have a spirited debate with you like very like this is the kind of teacher we want yeah. in, in our classrooms and I think it's great that he's on TikTok but he poked the bear when mm-hmm. he when he directly went after like I'm your worst nightmare if you don't want pride stuff to, if you don't want your kid to know mm-hmm. about like you know and they came after him and there's a real network here of accounts that are about doxing and intimidating people like this. So there's this uh, Chan LPFA person, Chanel Fall, former high school teacher doing what I can to preserve liberalism in the West. And she's got a fairly sizable following. And she, he took down the video after it started getting shared. And then, and then you know, as soon as they smell blood, oh, he took it down. So obviously he's ashamed. So she mm. reposts the video. Mm-hmm. And then there's this uh, other account that's much bigger. Millions of people follow Libs of TikTok. Uh, <laughs> it's an American account, I think. And they, they just go after the internet looking to embarrass, shame, and yeah. intimidate. Okay. And they, they're, they're on the front page of USA Today, Libs of TikTok, that if Libs of TikTok comes after you, then threats will soon follow. Okay. okay. Sure enough, what do we see now? But Joe Warmington in the Toronto Sun essentially doxing this guy. I think I think that people got his information. What do you mean? What what happened? So, people online after these big accounts went after him went and did their little search and found mm-hmm. what his full surname is. They found which which school he teaches at, which board. Mm-hmm. And on and on Twitter they started to say, "Here are all of his details." It's terrible. 
And then Joe Warmington kind of launders this into the sun and writes this ridiculous piece that, like, in this Ontario, I'm not going to mention where he teaches, or mm-hmm. but, but, but Joe Warmington did and said, if your kid is in this guy's classroom, they're not going to learn about math. They're math. not going to. He's not a math teacher. <laughs> Joe Warmington does not mention this. Uh-huh. And it's such an unfair fight because teachers aren't allowed to respond to media requests, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, Warmington went after him for not teaching things that he doesn't teach. Doesn't teach. <laughs> and said, hey, but, he's, but he is teaching about socialism and Marxism. And I'm screaming, he's an economics teacher, you. Yeah, what's wrong with teaching students about socialist economics and Marxist economics? It's very interesting. I don't think you can teach about economics without teaching about those, yeah. those, those are economic classical. theories. Marx was a classical economist. I know because I read all four volumes. There's four volumes of Das Kapital. And I actually learned a lot about economics from reading Das Kapital. And, you know, it's supply and demand. You know, it's the uh, labor of the working class. It's very interesting. Anyway, I, I like teachers who teach that. You need to know. You need to know this stuff. It's it's part of the history of economics. It's, it's mm-hmm. a part of understanding that there's a left and a right. Anyhow, th- this has gotten so wild here. That's terrible, though, because he must be getting a lot of this teacher, uh, Frank, must be getting a lot of pressure from the school board if if they're a typical school board and are afraid of everything. Yeah. Right? They must be coming down on him hard. I don't yeah, it's it's hard to tell. This is what uh, is in the Warmington piece because then of course Warmington goes to to the board and and mm-hmm. you know that's itself a form of pressure. Yeah. Uh, the quote is we are aware of a video circulating on social media involving a staff member and are looking into this issue. Oh, said the board spokesperson as this is an employee personnel matter. Oh god. So now it's an employee personnel matter. HR. Now they're calling in HR. Yeah. We cannot provide any further. So this is like really intimidation against public participation. I don't think yeah. there's any. I, I love a high school teacher who's on TikTok. Like this is where the students are. This is what the kids want. This is how you're going to connect. They're getting bullshit on TikTok. Let there be yeah. a teacher on TikTok as well. He's talking to the students where the students are. And that's a, a good teacher. That's what a, a good teacher should do. You go to where the, your students are are listening. I had to go on Facebook because that's the only place my students were. So if I had anything I wanted them to see, I, I, would, I sent it to them on Facebook. You got to go where your students are. Oh, that's really sad. I hope that uh, I hope he's got a strong union. I hope there's some people with a spine at the board and at the school level. Check him out, Frank Dominic, on TikTok. That's Shortcuts, Jan Wong. Thank you for joining me. Oh, it was a really a lot of fun. Thanks, Jesse. We are on Twitter at CanadaLand. I can be emailed at jesse at canadaland.com about anything that you've heard today. Jan Wong, where can people find you? Well, believe it or not, I'm still on Twitter, also known as X, and it's my handle is at writer Wong. Get it? Right or wrong? You're locked uh, into it now for eternity. It's embarrassing. I'm still on Twitter. I'm, I'm the last person. I'm going to be turning out the lights. This episode is produced by Aviva Lassard with additional production by Caleb Thompson. Our managing editor is Annette Ajofar. Our editor-in-chief is Karen Puglese. Our theme music is by so-called syndications by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. You can visit them online at cfuv.ca. If you value Canada Land, please support it. We rely on listeners like you paying for journalism. And if you are a supporter, you get premium access to all of our shows ad-free, early releases, and bonus content, and a lot of other stuff. Come join us now. Click on the link in your show notes or go to canadaland.com slash join. You can listen ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. 
couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's going to get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a campside media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.